0: if you will open your Bibles to Judges chapter 14. Judges chapter 14. God is no fool. Sometimes we live a life that we think that he is or the way we live it. It seems like we're saying he is, but he's not. And people do it over and over again. You see it in, in the world today and, and you see it so often that they just go along without God and and, you know, they laugh at uh, Christians, and they live that way. And, and so in turn, uh, they, they think that mentioning God, or if there is a God, that he is some kind of uh, idiot or fool. And that's sad to say, isn't it? Lois Cheney uh, writes uh, this parable in her book, God is no fool. said, once a man said, if I had some extra money, I'd give it to God. But I have just enough to support myself and my family. How many times have you heard that? And the same man said, if I had some extra time, I'd give it to God. But every minute is taken up with my job. Oh, how many times have we heard that? It's taken up with my job, my family, my clubs that I belong to, and, and what have you. Every single minute. He also said, if I had a talent, I'd give it to God. But I have no lively voice. I have no special gift. I'd never, I've never been able to lead a group. I can think cleverly or, or quickly, but not that way, the way I would like to. And God was touched, and although it was unlike him, God gave that man money, time, and a glorious talent. And then he waited and waited and waited. And then after a while, God shrugged his shoulders and he took back all three gifts from the man. After a while, the man sighed and said, If I only had some of that money back, I'd give it to God. If I only had some of that time, I would give it to God. If I could only rediscover that glorious talent, I'd give it to God. And God said, Oh, be quiet and the man told some of his friends you know i'm not so sure that i believe in god anymore wow well god gave samson some amazing talents and gifts yet he squandered them all in spite of his potential his victories were all personal he did less for god's people than any judge Samson's character was exposed in the unfolding conflicts in his life Samson squandered and ignored the resources God had given him Samson was a man of great potential I mean great potential but yet greater tragedy you see we who are in Christ And this is very important. We who are in Christ, we have enormous resources. I mean, we're unique. We think Samson is unique. We're very unique. You go back to the Old Testament and you look at these godly people and you see where they were empowered with the Holy Spirit for special events and special things. Where does the Holy Spirit live today? In believers he indwells believers in Christ we have been given all things that relate to a life for God and godly living I want you just to turn with me just for a few moments to Ephesians chapter 1 now I'm not gonna read the entire chapter and I won't read the first verse 13 verses uh, I, but uh, I want just Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's greeting them, chapter 1 of uh, Ephesians. And then he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every, not some, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. How do we get it? in christ do we have christ yeah we have christ just as he chose as in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love so if we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in christ hmm, we've been blessed with that and he would have us to live a holy and blameless life before him then do we have the resources to do that do we squander them sometimes i want you to jump over with me in verse 15 it says for this reason i too (coughs) having heard of the faith in the lord jesus which exists among you and your love for the saints do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, very important. I've heard of your faith, I've heard of your commitment to the Lord, but I know that there are things that can happen in your journey. So I continually mention you in prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Him. He says, Hey, I want you to be aware of him and that can only come about by God by way of his spirit and I pray that that will be revealed to you over and over and over again and that you will grow in it I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, not our might but his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seating, seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come and he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church wow so he's over all things and if we're in him our resources are in him man does that not bless your heart encourage you strengthen you but yet we squander it what he's given a lot of times don't by the way we live just like samson You see, Samson was a person who lacked self discipline. And he lacked wholehearted commitment to the Lord, just like we do at times, just like we struggle with. This is why we can learn so much from the negative part, the failures that he had in his life. You learn a lot more from that because he had much less, I mean, he had a lot less positive. Uh, or victories uh, in his life and so Samson may have been the strongest man that ever lived but the problem with Samson was not his physical strength but his spiritual condition and so uh, he would have done well to have known the principle from Proverbs chapter sixteen thirty-eight. I mean 32 where it says he who rules in is uh, in spirit or his spirit is better than he who captures a city and he would have done well to practice that, understand that, and realize that. The condition of Israel at the time is described in verse 4. It says, Now at that time the Philistines or Philistines were ruling over Israel. Now there's a, this is very important because Israel, number one, was controlled by the Philistines physically, they were under their rule. But not only that, they were not only controlled, but they were also compromised. And by that I mean that there was intermarriage with the Philistines and cultural, cultural integration. And they were, uh, you know, they were constantly assimilating into the uh, environment there. And Israel, with this assimilation, they had lost any sense of mission or uh, national purpose. You know, they, they didn't have either one of them at the time. They've become content to be less than God wanted them to be. But isn't that what happens when we kind of lose our hope, kind of lose our vision, kind of lose our commitment? If we're not careful, uh, it's just like, you know, uh, everything begins to be handed to us. Everything begins to uh, come so easy for us. Everything, uh, you know, uh, causes us to uh, be uh, a a group of people that start drifting away from god and we begin to forget about god and we begin to just live a life and we assimilate into what we are living in the culture that we're living in and we become uh, unthankful and and we don't recognize and continually be uh, uh, at the uh, altar uh thanking god and and uh praising him for who he is we become like Israel, both controlled and compromised. And, you know, not only that, but the sad thing about it is they weren't preaching and and teaching the the Word of God properly. If you remember Eli's two sons, Hophni Hophni and Phinehas, uh, they were very ungodly men, and uh, they even stole the offerings and practiced some some form of uh, ungodliness, some say that it was a form of prostitution, which was a typical Canaanite um, perversion in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Uh, but it was, whatever it was, it was a time of great spiritual darkness. And, you know, e- even though things may be busting around us, things may be happening, exciting things may uh, be occurring that that uh, trigger off the, uh, the emotions in our uh, five senses or with our five senses it still can be a, a, a culture where we are in spiritual darkness and scripture tells us and, and you know that they even when uh, Samson stood up they uh, you know they rejected him they uh, went against him they you know, didn't like it, they had so assimilated into the culture. And scripture tells us that uh, the word from the Lord was rare in those days in 1 Samuel 3, 1. So, we see them in this spiritual darkness, but I want to tell you, and I want to share with you, and this is the exciting thing about it, is God is there and he doesn't give up on us. And I want to tell you that God was about to stir Israel's pot. I mean, he was going to stir some some things around. The status would no longer be quo here. And uh, Israel needed to be brought out of this spiritual darkness. And that's the way he is with us a lot of times. He stirs our pot. A lot of times we don't recognize it at the time, or it may take us a little bit. But uh, sometimes when we're drifting away from God, God may allow things in our life. To stir us up. And thank God for that. Some of the things we may not like, some of the things may be unpleasant, some of the things may be difficult, and some of the things may even hurt. But he stirs the pot to get our attention. And to get us out of the status where it will no longer be quo. And so Samson was a man for the hour, and God was about to use him, even though he had a lot of flows, and thank. Flaws. And thank God for that because, uh, you know, uh, all of us have flaws, don't we? And we wouldn't be used by God if it wasn't for his grace and his mercy. And, and we see that he's about to use him. But, you know, Samson could not blame his environment. He could not blame his, ha- uh, his family. So many people use that today, don't they? I mean, we're just, uh, you know, we're a crippled society. We want to blame somebody else. We're an entitled society. We want everything handed to us. We deserve it. Look at poor old me, you know. Well, Samson, he had godly parents. Now, let's look at the way he turned out. He had godly parents. He had a miraculous birth by divine intervention of God. And he had a unique calling. He was a Nazarite from birth to death. So, I mean, he had everything you needed. But what he did was he refused to use what God had given him in the right way because he refused to allow God to control him. We've got to allow God to control us if we're going to use what he's given us for the right reasons, for the right purpose, for God's glory. Judges 13 we have description of his early life. Chapter 14, we have the record of his uh, life as a man. And in this record, we're going to be looking at his character. And so if you look with me in verses 1 through 4, it says, Then Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman there, one of the daughters of the Philistines. So he came back and told his father and mother, I saw a woman in Timnah and one of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. Now, what's so... Unusual about that, well, we'll talk about that in just a few moments, but in the Hebrew culture, that was not the way it was handled. Maybe we need to uh instill that in the western world uh the way that they did back then. Uh, you parents of younger children you'll you'll probably agree with that as they grow older, <laughs> uh, okay, and so he says. Uh, Then his father and mother said to him, this is very important. Is there no woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our children that you go back and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she looks good to me. Wow. However, his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord, for he was seeking an occasion against the Philistines. Now at that time, the Philistines were ruling over Israel. You see, this is where we see God's providence. Even though we're going the wrong way. God says, In, you know, you can't stop me from working. I'm going to work. In his providence, he worked, right? In his sovereignty, he worked. And so we, we have Samson visiting Timnah, this city And he saw a Philistine woman. And he said, get her for me. And then the parents said, hey, you know, isn't there a woman among the Hebrews that you can take? Now, what were they saying? They were saying, okay, a biblical principle that we know in the New Testament. Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's what he was saying. Or his parents were saying. Now, we have, we have a, a meeting of the, uh, the record or a record of the meeting with, with the woman they met. Uh, we just see, see that he saw her uh, when visiting the city. And so he said, uh, I've, you know, chosen this woman for me. And how did he choose her? Solely on the census, the eyes solely on the basis of physical appearance, ignoring the authority of God and the authority of His Father. And that's very important, authority. We need to be very careful that we do not take that lightly in our society today. Authority has been implemented and and, uh, taught and placed before us throughout the Scripture. We should respect those. You know, this is not just a... tradition or something that older people have taught respecting people they may have picked up things to teach us to respect older people by that's maybe not specifically put in the bible but those were for an emphasis and that was to respect them when you hold the door for an older person as they go through it or an adult as they go through or into a store You say, well, I don't see that in the Bible. Well, that's respect. Respecting those in authority over us. And so we need to do that. We're losing that to a great degree today. And this needs to be Instilled in our lives and where does it come from it goes back to okay? The reason that we did this and the reason that we practice these and the reason that you listen to your parents and your Grandparents and other people whether you agree fully with them or not and you respect them. Yes, sir and no, sir is because Those are ways by which are signs in your heart that you're respecting them and they recognize that And you're showing that and so we see that it was lust at first sight with Samson and as I said earlier the Israelite society the father was recognized as the head of the family and as such he chose they chose the wives for their sons but Samson made his own choice he went against the authority of his parents and really against the authority of the Word of God because this was an unbeliever isn't it ironic that We are told here that Samson's words to his parents say that he wanted her because she looked good. And those very same eyes would be put out by a woman later on because of the betrayal to him by another uh, Philistine woman. So God had given Samson a, a godly heritage. And he had been raised to honor the Lord, but when Samson fell in love, so to speak, maybe lust, he wouldn't listen to his parents, for they warned him. And Samson's problem was not that he had the bad home life. He couldn't blame it on his environment. His problem was that he walked by sight and not by faith. He wasn't listening to his godly parents nor to God. So we, uh, we first of all have seen in this uh, Samson's character exposed in his pursuit for a woman. But second of all, we also see his character mentioned. And that is in, in his... Um, When he displayed uh, his, uh, or exposed his violation of the Nazarite vow, if you look in verses 5 through 9, it says, Then Samson went down to Timnah and his father and mother, and came as far as the vineyards, and this is very important, of Timnah. And behold, a young lion came roaring towards him. Now you'd think that all of them are together, but read the rest of the story. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, so they tore him as one tears a young goat though he had nothing in his hand but he did not tell his father or mother what he had done now evidently he went down to the vineyards by himself they were walking together down to the city and then all of a sudden he says hey i'm going to take this route for whatever reason we don't know we uh this uh this trip uh included two uh two trips matter of fact but in this he set this trip he separated himself from his parents and he could have wandered off exploring uh, the uh, the countryside without his parents but you know I doubt it because he'd been that way before or he could have been planned to go to the vineyards he enjoyed that and what was a Nazarite vow you know that's where they made the wine and you know you drink it, and you be merry, and uh, you get real merry, and, uh, uh, you, you know, you can uh, enjoy it and come back. And so uh, the vow, hey, forget about the vow. I enjoy this. So it could have been that. But he didn't want his parents to know whatever it was, whatever reason for him going that way, he separated himself from that. And it seemed as, uh, as far as his business was concerned, he, didn't, he was saying to his parents, it's none of your business. Wow. Have you ever heard that from a child? It's none of your business. Growing up, maybe we, we've said it. None of your business. Boy, if you said it, though, to your parents a lot of times, if you said that, they, it would become their business pretty quick. <laughs> so uh, Samson, endowed by God in a special way, was not walking by faith, definitely. He was walking by sight. And when God isn't permitted to to rule in our life, what happens? He overrules. He's not going to be left out, and you're not going to defeat him. He overrules, and he accomplishes his purposes either with us or in spite of us. He's going to carry out his purpose. We saw that in in, uh, Esther. In chapter 4. And so as Samson wanders off by himself. Suddenly a lion attacks him. It says. But the spirit of the Lord empowered him. And he was able to slaughter the lion. With his bare hands it says. Isn't it a shame that this happened. And after he just tears that lion apart. That he didn't look at his hands and his strength and say thank you God. Man, I couldn't have done that without you. Lord, I I couldn't have overcome this, this battle here with this animal, this wild animal. But he apparently took his astonishing abilities and took them for granted. Never pausing to ask why he was gifted and for what purpose that was for. So Samson talked with the woman and... Marriage plans were confirmed, it says. So he went down and talked to the woman and she looked good to Samson. That's all he's concerned about. Now, there's nothing wrong in wanting a woman to look good. Nothing wrong in that. But that's all you hear from him. And also, he's what? Through this, breaking God's word for being unequally yoked together. And so what the woman thought about Samson is unknown she may have said hey man he's a hunk of a man you know who knows I don't know and then after visiting his future wife he returned home and and, uh, later traveled back to Tishma or Timnah for the wedding and on the way he stopped by the location Now he didn't tell his uh, family later on where he got this and where he killed the lion, and what did he discover there? He, he discovered a swarm of bees uh, that had produced honey in the lion's carcass. Now, see, you, did, you didn't even have to put it up in the tree, did you, Jimmy or Bobby? I mean, man, there it was in the lion. So we just need to go out and kill lions and come back to their carcass. No, I'm just kidding. Later on, please don't tell the uh, animal people that. I, I'm just joking about that. Okay, so honey, just like today, was a special delight. And Samson got some and I he also put it in a jar and and uh, put the top on it and took it back to his family he said eat it with the biscuits that you make today no but he did take some back to to his parents and and um, uh, but with this you say boy that was a thoughtful gift no what was he doing as a Nazarite he was touching a what? dead animal a carcass not only that he not only did he violate his Nazarite vow, but he desecrated his parents, didn't he? By not telling them what he did and sharing the honey. So when he returned later to take her, it says, he turned aside to look at the carcass of the lion, and behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the body of the lion. So he scraped the honey into his hands and went on eating as he went. And when he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them, and they ate it. But he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey out of the body of the lion, verses eight and nine. Well, now we see Samson's character displayed in his attempt to cheat his wedding guest. It says in verses ten through fourteen, then his father went down to the woman, and Samson made a feast there for the young men, customary, customarily. Uh, doing this when they saw him they brought 30 uh, champions to be with him then Samson said to them let me now profound or propound a riddle to you if you will indeed tell tell it to me within the seven days of the feast and find it out then I will give you 30 linen wraps and 30 changes of clothes boy that's man that's that's a lot of money but worth a lot of money But if you are unable to tell me, then you shall give me 30 lint. And now you've got to think about this. This is costly here. Wraps and 30 changes of clothes. And they said to him, propound your riddle that we may hear it. And he said to them, out of the eater came something to eat. And out of the strong came something sweet. But they could not tell the riddle in three days. So the father of samson went down to see the woman and and marriage arrangements were made the hebrew word for feast is used a lot of times to indicate that it was a drinking feast and if this is the case then we can see what was going on with uh, samson the Nazarite. and his father as far as the father being present we don't know the circumstances we don't know why he came down there he He could have been there at the last moment in desperation trying to talk his son out of marrying this woman. But on the other hand, it could be that the father came out uh, feeling sorry for him because uh, none of the people from his uh, family and other places seemed to come to be at the wedding. They didn't want to participate, evidently. We have no record of them. And so in the absence of his friends, uh, the Philistines uh, provided 30... uh, of their number to function as groomsmen. Now, we don't know why they did that. Uh, the number being so large may have been that it was a large wedding, and the other reason may have been that uh, they, were, they had heard his reputation and about the lion and other things, and so they wanted to uh, make sure that uh, they protected themselves. And they had those men there. So Samson didn't take seriously the fact that he had violated the Nazarite vows, and it's bad enough to disobey God in it. But it's something else when you make a joke out of it. And basically that's what he's doing here. He sunk to new depths of spiritual in, insensitivity. You see, he constructed a riddle out of the expense of his sin. And the riddle was for the groomsman. Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. And of course we know the wager. And Samson said to them, let me now propound a... Riddle to you, if you will detail it to me within seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you 30 linens or wraps and 30 changes of clothes, and if not, then you give that to me. So they accepted the challenge, and so in desperation, after four days, I believe it was, a, uh, uh, you know, they, they panicked, and, or they were panicking, and so they, they went to the woman that Samson was uh, going to marry, and they threatened her. They said, tell us a riddle or we will uh, burn your house down. We'll tear it down. In other words, we'll destroy you and your family. So we see Samson's character demonstrated in his abuse of his gifts. Then it came about on the fourth day that they said to Samson's wife, entice your husband so that he will tell us a riddle or we will burn you and... And your father's house with fire, have you invited us to impoverish us? Is this not so? Samson's wife wept before him and said, you only hate me and you do not love me. You have propounded a riddle to the sons of my people and have not told it to me. And he said to her, behold, I have not told it to my father. Now I want you to look at that. Well, I ain't even told it to my parents. Or mother so should i tell you now that tells me a little bit about if he's broken the tie there and started out on his own however she wept before him seven days while her feast lasted and on the seventh day he told her because she pressed him so hard she then told the riddle to the sons of her people so the people of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, what is sweeter than honey? They told it in a question. What is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, Mmm, mmm, mmm. If you had not plowed with my heifer, oh man, calling your wife a heifer. Buddy, I tell you what, uh, you better watch out. If he wasn't so strong, he, he wouldn't have been sleeping in the same room with her anymore. He didn't, matter of fact. He pouted and went home. Okay. He said, "Um, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of them and took their spoil and gave the changes of clothes to those who told the riddle. And his anger burned, and he went up to his father's house. But Samson's wife was given to his companion, who had been his friend. Wow. These sharp words contained a double rebuke. A scornful reference to his wife, first of all, and then a charge to the groomman through there that they had, a, they had performed or they had acted out in a devious way to secure the answers. So the wife had pulled the answer out of Samson through incessant nagging and, and crying and weeping and, and uh, you know, just maybe emotional blackmail, whatever. And then, motivated by not wanting to hear it anymore, he gave her the answer. And he certainly, but one thing that's very important, he certainly, and this is what you can see in how he built this marriage, he certainly didn't hear the panic in her voice, did he? Did he have, did he show any compassion? He said, I haven't even told my father and mother. I mean, here was man engaged to him, or woman. There was no desire for intimate companionship with her beyond what he could receive in the bedroom. Samson went out and slaughtered 30 Philistines. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon, and killed 30 of them and took their spoil and gave the changes of clothes to those who told the riddle and his anger burned and he went up to his father's house in a rage he left the wedding and stormed to Ashkelon, and there on the Mediterranean coast there he he felt this supernatural power and he killed these 30 Philistines took their their clothing came back and threw it at the feet of these groomsmen and told them I know your devious act you see God is sovereign, and in his providence, God intercedes, and thank God for that. Samson had planned to live with the enemy, but what did God do? God intervened. Rather than securing an alliance with the Philistines, Samson would be at war with them now. If Samson had entered his what, I mean, had, had gotten his way, won his way, and married this woman, what do you think would have happened? There would have been a relationship that would have crippled the work of God even more so. And God stepped in, as he always does, at the right time and stirred the pot. So, in closing, three things. This man. He was a man of the flesh a man of the flesh means a man that is undisciplined a man that lacked self-control people it's easy for us to lack self-control isn't it so easy to walk in the flesh it's so easy to to operate purely by our senses and not by the spirit of god and the only way that you're going to really operate by the spirit of god is that by getting into God's Word and understanding it by way of the Holy Spirit and allowing the Word of God to be applied to your life. He was a man who rejected authority. He did as the others were doing in that day and time. He did what was right in his own eyes. This is what happens when we begin to rationalize and we begin to... uh, to, uh, to uh, explain things away, then what happens is we begin to reject the authority that God has placed before us. First and foremost is His authority, the Word of God, and Him. Second of all, those that are in the authority that we should respect. And what happens with that is we begin to do things what is right in our own eyes and it's so easy and we excuse it and explain it away we need to guard against that and the only way that you can do that is by being filled with the Spirit of God and being filled with the Spirit of God means that you are controlled that's what the word means you are controlled by God's Spirit. He used the same word over in Colossians. Paul does. He used that in Ephesians. But over in Colossians he uses that. Saying that we need to be filled with his word. Controlled by his word. And then he was also self-confessed. In his spiritual walk. As an anarchist. A man who had adopted the social values of his pagan contemporaries. In other words, it doesn't take a genius to recognize that we live in a period of moral and spiritual and ethical anarchy. And it's a sad situation when believers adopt the worldview as their own. It's one thing for the world to have those views. But it's another thing for us to compromise and begin to adopt, adopt those into our life and into our thinking. We accept it. Well, that's, that's the law of the land. Well, is that there's the law of the land oversee the law of the word of god or the word of god does it does it rule does it take precedence over that no it doesn't and that means sometimes that we just we have to stand up for many times we have to stand up for what's right even uh, when it means that we're contrary to uh the popular opinion of those that are around us and uh we you know but it's a sad situation when Believers adopt this view because when they do, they begin to compromise like the Israelites did and like Samson. Ultimately, it all comes down to whether we're going to live by God's authority or whether we're going to live by our own our eyes, what we think is right. The great battleground of our time is a battleground of authority, really. Who are we going to listen to? Who are we going to live by? What we think, what we see, what we hear outside of God or what God says. The, despite Samson's disobedience, God's purpose was fulfilled, thank God. God was seeking, it says in verse 4, an occasion against the Philistines. God did not direct Samson into disobedience, but at the same time, God did not abandon his program. In fact, the failures of Samson uh, led to opportunities against the Philistines, really. We are responsible and accountable for our sins. That doesn't mean that we're not. And we cannot excuse them. But in the providence of God, we can be guaranteed God's purposes triumph. Let's go to the Lord.